Thank you so much for tuning in to this special Labor Day presentation of the Main Event Heat podcast. I am your host, Rob Weathers. We've got a lot to talk about. Today's episode is getting pushed back a day to Tuesday, and they did that for two reasons. One, because I like to observe Labor Day. It's it's the one holiday that I think that matters. And two, because AEW ran all out on Sunday night, and I knew that I was not going to want to get done at midnight and then go record this podcast, so they gave me the opportunity to do this here on Monday. I cannot wait for AEW to go back to doing Saturday shows, these Sunday night shows. Thankfully, today was a holiday, because if I had to go to work today, I'd be so irritated. (laughs) But before we get to AEW, I want to talk about some things that happened this recent week in pro wrestling here in the state of Georgia. I had the pleasure of attending the first ever tapings of championship wrestling from Atlanta. If you guys are not familiar, first off, you haven't been listening to the show for the last month because I've been putting it over like crazy. But secondly, the championship wrestling brand is a part of the United Wrestling Network. There's championship wrestling from Hollywood, Memphis, Arizona, all over the country. Atlanta is the is the newest spot for championship wrestling. They have a residency at Center Stage Theater. In my opinion, next to the Omni, it's basically Mecca for professional wrestling in Atlanta. The Omni's not here anymore, so Center Stage is number one. It's such a unique looking venue. You know, I think for for a lot of people that like watching AEW, I think the best example that I can give you is watch those shows at Daly's Place, right? All of those daily play shows look completely different from everywhere else. Such a unique venue. I think Center Stage has a similar vibe. It's a very unique presentation. Obviously, if you're a child of the 80s, 90s, WCW Saturday Night ran uh, Center Stage all the time. It's a really cool venue. I've been there multiple times to watch Ring of Honor shows. This was the first time I got to be backstage and it was an absolute blast. Thank you so much to my good friend Zicky Dice and, of course, Dave Marquez for allowing me to be there. I spent most of my time hanging out with the production guys, sitting behind the monitors. I feel like I learned a lot. I learned a lot about, you know, camera switching and, and why you want to go to certain cameras when you do this, that, and the other. I, I got to hang out with a lot of guys who I have worked with, a lot of people that I consider friends in the business, Scotty Beach and... And Larry Otto, man, uh, the the Awakening, formerly known as the Ascension. I actually drove those guys around a little bit that day. I got to meet a lot of new people who I've never met before, like Mike Bennett and Jonathan Gresham, Danny Limelight, Slice Boogie, all kinds of people. And yeah, it, it was a great experience for me. I think it's going to be a great experience for the city of Atlanta whenever that first episode drops on Peachtree TV, September 18th at 10 p.m., Hopefully there is more of a a national distribution that comes from this. I think that previous episodes, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, I want to say, hell, I want to say they're on Impact Plus. I think I've seen them on Fight TV before. Who knows? I have no idea what their plans are for distribution. I just know that it it can't be just local. We can't just have this on Peachtree TV. The rest of the world need to see this. So hopefully an announcement comes from that. 
after spending Thursday, all day Thursday, literally until one o'clock in the morning at center stage, the next day on Friday, I, I did what I always do the first Friday of the month. And I went and helped out my friend Zicky Dice at Southern Honor Wrestling. I'm always there the first Friday of every month to film the show on Zicky's Twitch channel. So if you guys are not subscribed, go to twitch.tv slash Zicky Dice. Check that out. Yeah, that was a fun show as well. Uh, I had a great time as always at Southern Honor. Got to hang out with Zicky and a couple of the other wrestlers after the show, have some drinks. It's always a great time. This is a really awesome time to be a fan of Georgia wrestling. With Championship Wrestling from Atlanta coming out, Southern Honor is always putting on a very, very solid product. Hopefully, I get to call some matches for Lariato here soon. We haven't announced our next show yet, but I did talk to a couple of the guys that I work with at Lariato this week at Center Stage, and, and we've all kind of got an idea of when the next show is going to be. So hopefully that comes back. But this is such a great time to be a wrestling fan. If you guys live in or around the Georgia area, I highly recommend coming to any of these shows. The next championship wrestling taping at Center Stage is going to be October 7th. So by all means, if, if, you, if you can, please come to those shows. It's going to be an absolute blast. But outside of Georgia, in the rest of the world of professional wrestling, AEW had a pretty decent show too, from what I understand. All Out took place Yesterday, I'm recording this on Monday, so yesterday, Sunday, September 5th, All Out took place in Chicago. It was a monumental show, and we're going to talk about it just after this break. If you would like to support the show, head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers, where you can pick up one of several t-shirt designs, including the brand new Main Event Heat Podcast shirt. That's ProWrestlingTees.com slash R-O-B-W-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers. Welcome back, and let's talk about the show that we're all here to talk about. AEW All Out, live from the Now Arena, September 5th. Mark that date on your calendar, because it looks like, going forward, this is going to be a very, very important day in professional wrestling. Let's go ahead and start off with the show opener. We're going to skip the buy-in. We're just going to go straight to the show because there is a whole lot to unpack here already as it is. The show opened up with a TNT championship match between Miro and Eddie Kingston. I am a huge Eddie Kingston fan. I've talked about it here on the show before. I think Miro is doing a very good job as a TNT champion. Obviously, I'd say probably the best work of his career. And this was definitely the best match that he's had since he got that belt. You know, Eddie Kingston, something I love about Eddie was he straight up before the match even started in a promo said, the story of the match is going to be, I'm going for your neck. That's your weakness. And that's exactly what he did the entire match. It was those those big high chops right at the top of the chest, bottom of the neck. It was the DDTs. It was the exploder suplexes. He was doing everything that he possibly could to go for what he perceived to be the weakness of Miro. Miro fighting through all of that, of course, winds up putting him away with, with that massive kick straight to the dome. There's no way you can convince me that didn't hurt at least a little bit. But a very, very good match. I love Kingston's shirt, the Redeemed these Nuts. I don't know what promo. Apparently, he said that in a promo or something. I don't know. I must have missed it because that was that was new to me. Apparently, that T-shirt's been out for a second. I had never saw it. This is the very first time I experienced that, and I thought it was fucking hilarious. But this was a good match. It was, it was a very good match. It was a very solid way to open up the show, and I give it a B. 
Moving on from that match, you go straight to Eddie Kingston's homeboy, John Moxley, going against Japanese legend Satoshi Kojima. I was hyped for this. I have luckily been able to see Kojima wrestle live before, so I know just how good he is in the ring. I And I love John Moxley. Obviously, I've seen him live plenty of times. These guys put on a very hard-hitting, I would say, kind of a kind of a New Japan strong style light match. It didn't go as hard as some of those strong style matches go, but it definitely was stiff. Uh, a lot of clothesline attempts from both guys. As you know, most people know, Kojima's got that big cozy lariat, which Excalibur, it's the cozy lariat, not the Koji lariat. I heard him say Koji several days. Cozy. He said it has cozy on the back of his fucking tights, guy. But he kept going for that cozy lariat a whole lot. John Moxley with some lariats of his own. It, it was it was a great display. <clears throat> Kojima hit a beautiful cozy cutter at one point that, you know what, if it would have ended there, I definitely wouldn't have been mad at it. But Mox fought through that, hit him with two paradigm shifts in a row, or the Death Rider if you're a New Japan fan. It was a good, solid match. I give it a B. But something that I'll give higher than a B is after the match ended, a very, very famous song hit, and the king, Minoru Suzuki, made his way to the ring. I popped. This actually, and I know this is going to sound crazy for you guys that watch the show, this popped me real life bigger than everything else. And it's weird because like these two have wrestled before. I have watched them wrestle before, but I know how good that match was. And I know just their their styles are so similar. John Moxley is literally just the American version of Minoru Suzuki. And Minoru comes out to the ring. The entire crowd chants along to the Kazanina Ray and the song, which I, I even did for my couch. I love that part so much. Minoru gets in the ring. These guys stare each other down, trade some big forearms. Minoru winds up hitting that Gotch-style pile driver. That gets an A+. All day, every day. I love that so much. Love you, Minoru Suzuki. I know that he is going to be doing a show at PWX in North Carolina, I believe, next month. I might go to that because I have never got to see Suzuki live. And he's he's at that age where you never know. Every match might be his last. So I'm definitely considering going to go check that out. Also, if you're in the North Carolina area, PWX, Cabras Arena. I'm not sure the date, but look it up. After that match, you've got Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Chris Statlander. This was a solid match. I was already on such a high from the last two matches that, that this one was kind of a come down match for me, but it was still a very good match. A lot of back and forth, a lot of impressive moves by Statlander. It's it's crazy because like as far as the women in, the, in that division go, she's definitely one of the biggest ones in the division. And then some of the stuff that she's able to pull off, like, like the moonsault and... and and she has that that really cool submission that she was doing that spider crab submission. Uh, she's she's so talented. She's she's a really really good wrestler. But it's just not Britt Baker's time to lose that belt yet. I, in no way, shape, or form that I even think at all throughout this match, Britt was going to lose the title. Obviously, she she gets the lockjaw for the win. I give this one a B. You know, solid match. It's just. We had so much, so much hit you right out of the gate in those first two matches, especially post-match for the second match, that, yeah, this one just, it didn't hit as hard as it could have. Maybe this should have opened the show. I don't know. Then moving on from the women's championship match, we had the tag team title match in a steel cage between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. This match started off really hot. We have watched these two guys wrestle each other I don't know how many times. And I don't think it ever gets old. I think that they're always finding new, amazing shit to do to each other. I had a bad feeling because I, I, I had picked that these guys were going to win, 
you know, cause I'm, I'm in a, a pick em group with a few of my friends on Facebook. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later cause I've got some things to say to them. I had picked the Lucha Brothers to win, but whenever I saw Nick Jackson come out with the Hulk Hogan, Fu Manchu, I was like, I don't know, man, that might be a sign that this doesn't work for him, brother. It was a very, very entertaining match. I hate to say this about halfway through the match. I really, really had to go to the bathroom. And by the time I got out, the match had just ended. I haven't gone back and rewatched it yet. According to my wife, it was the best match on the show. I'm kicking myself in the ass for that. I wish I could have held off for a second. This was such a stacked show. And this was just a few matches in. And I'm, I hate so much that I missed that ending. Apparently, it was amazing. I will go back and watch it. I do promise. Because of that, I don't have a grade for it. I have been told by many people that it is an A+. I'll go ahead and just say that it's an A+. I personally, I, I like I said, I didn't get to see the finish. What I saw was definitely an A+. The first half of the match was definitely that. So we'll go ahead and call it an A+, for now. Moving on from that, we had the Casino Battle Royale. I am a huge Battle Royal fan. If it's a Battle Royal or an Elimination Tag match, you've immediately got my attention. I thought this was a lot of fun. A thing that I really enjoyed about it was it went by pretty quick. I don't know if the if the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers went over time and they told these girls they need to move a little faster. I don't know. But they definitely, there was a lot of eliminations early. It was a very, very enjoyable match. Another pop that I think a lot of people were expecting. I know I was definitely expecting the Joker Ruby Soho comes out. The social distortion song makes it. The, just that presentation is absolutely perfect. Ruby Soho, of course, the former Ruby Riot, if you watched her in WWE, former Heidi Lovelace, if you watched her on the Indies. She has always been the epitome of an indie darling. She has a great move set. She has a very, very unique look. Everything about her presentation, in my opinion, it's perfect for her. It really, really is. And the ending of this match, she had kind of a show-off with Thunder Rosa. I really, really hope that these two wind up having a feud in the future because that what we got between the two of them at the end of this match was very, very entertaining and very compelling. I am a little pissed off because I picked Thunder Rosa to win in my pick and if she would have won, I think I probably would have retained my AEW title, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. Overall, I'm giving this match an A. Like I said, I love Battle Royals. I love the surprise in this match. It was a very entertaining match. It, it's an A. I, I don't know what else to say. Then coming after that, we have got MJF versus Chris Jericho. Whenever this match starts, you see the old school Chris Jericho countdown timer on the Titan Tron. And, and I was thinking, you know, maybe Chris Jericho is going to come out and do an old school entrance. Who knows? Maybe TK bought the rights to break the walls down. I mean, who, who the fuck knows? He's bought the rights to every other song under the sun, it sounds. But, uh, but yeah, so it was, it was MJF spoofing Jericho's entrance. It was funny, of course. MJF just effortlessly gets heat. Like, he, he doesn't even have to try anymore. And he just, he, everybody in that crowd wants to boo him. And he's doing a perfect job. He really is. He's, he is the perfect heel because he doesn't have to try hard anymore. After MJF comes out, after he gets the crowd nice and pissed off, Y2J does make his entrance, and I can understand how on paper this was a good idea, but in execution it absolutely was not. Chris Jericho had one of his guitar players from Fozzie come out and do a solo rendition of Judas. 
it wasn't exactly on time whatsoever. The crowd didn't exactly know when to come in to sing along. It was just executed very poorly. Just, yeah, it, it, it was really awkward. I didn't like it. And I do like live performances for entrances a lot. And I, I was actually expecting the whole fucking band was going to be there on stage and Jericho was actually going to come out and sing the song. That's, that's honestly what I was expecting. What we got was, like I said, I can understand how in the production meeting this sounded like a really good idea. And on paper, it definitely does. And execution, this in, this entrance really sucked. And I was like, I really hope this isn't Jericho's last match because I don't want to remember that as his last entrance. They come out and have a very standard match. Uh, I hate to say it, there was nothing super exciting about this. I think the biggest thing, obviously, was the finish where MJF gets the pin, Jericho puts his feet on the rope, but Aubrey doesn't see it. Then another ref comes out. I think it might have been Paul Turner comes out and tells Aubrey, no, his foot was on the rope, so they do the whole dusty finish thing and restart the match. And Jericho winds up winning with the walls of Jericho. I was really hoping that he was going to to pin that foot on the back of Jericho's neck and get the lion tamer. But I, I think he went for it, but maybe couldn't get his couldn't get his footing right and just settle for the walls of Jericho. But still tapped out MJF. I feel like we we haven't seen that finish quite a lot at all, if at all, in AEW. So that was neat. But yeah, like as a whole, this match didn't do a whole hell of a lot for me. We've seen these guys work together a lot. MJF, while his character is, in my opinion, flawless, and he is very solid in the ring. There's nothing spectacular about his in-ring work. Jericho, you know, definitely can still go, but I think that Jericho benefits from being in the ring with people that are better than him. He's one of those guys. And like I said, we've seen this match so many times. You can only do so much with these two. I hope that it's the last time. It's billed as the last fight. I sure as hell hope it was. I'll give it a C plus. Then after that, the moment you have all been waiting for. Darby Allen versus CM Punk. Now here, I'm going to tell you guys, and I might get some heat for this. The show is called Main Event Heat, so at least I'm on brand. I might get some heat for this, but once that bell rang, you're going to see why I wasn't that excited about CM Punk coming back to wrestling. There was nothing wrong with this match whatsoever. There wasn't. People treat CM Punk like he was this phenomenal wrestler that we've never seen the likes of before. He's not. Like, he's got a great character. Honestly, his promos are very good. He's definitely got the gift to gap. But he's like MJF in that his character, that's the presentation. As far as his wrestling goes, he's not a bad wrestler in any way, shape, or form. But he's as good as whoever he wrestles. Now, granted... The best thing about this match is he's wrestling for Darby Allen, who Darby Allen bumped his fucking ass off for CM Punk. There was a spot where he sends him through the rope, and Darby does, I feel like we've seen this all the time, Darby smacks against that turnbuckle post that never gets easier to watch. Uh, my favorite spot of the entire match was the GTS, and he hits Darby, and Darby just goes flying out of the ropes. That was my favorite spot of the whole match. But outside of that, what else was it? It was rest holds. It was a whole lot of wrestles. I noticed a few minutes in, I looked at my wife, and I was like, CM Punk's already blown up. He's 42 years old. I get it. But this is also why I wasn't as excited as everybody else was about him coming back. His matches are not anything to write home about. Like I said, I know I'm going to get some heat for that. That doesn't mean that I, I wish he wasn't here. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm just saying that I wasn't excited as other people. This is why. The match was not bad but it also wasn't what it would have been if it was, say, some of the names that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But 
for what we did get, Darby Allen was the perfect first opponent. He bumped his fucking ass off for CM Punk. He made him look as good as he possibly could. I give Darby Allen the MVP of the show because I believe this match was all Darby. It absolutely was all Darby. CM Punk obviously winds up winning the match with the GTS. He went for, I was really looking forward to that big, you know, running knee in the corner to the Bulldog, but he didn't do the Bulldog. He did, uh, he did a clothesline. That was a pretty big fucking heel move of you. There's CM Punk. You're, you're robbing Chicago of the Bulldog, but whatever. That's, that's not my call to make. But yeah, CM Punk wins with the go to sleep. I'm giving it a B. I know there's probably a lot of people that would give it a higher grade. I'm giving it a B because of A, the significance, and B, because Darby Allen bumped his fucking ass off. He was the absolute star of this match. I'm I'm coming up with a new title, MVP of the show. Darby Allen was the MVP of the show based on his performance in this match. But yeah, still a very solid match. But like I said, it explains why I was not as uh, as excited as everybody else was. And then right after that CM Punk Darby Allen match, we have got the official bathroom break match of the evening. Paul White versus QT Marshall. You know, I I think QT's a good heel. I I really do. You know, when I think he's I think he's good at talking. I think he's good at coming out and making people dislike him. The only issue that I have with QT's presentation is from what I understand and I'm, you know, I don't want to get too much into detail about this. It's not really a character. He's kind of just a cunt. <laughs> I mean, you know, working in the wrestling business here in Georgia, I've obviously crossed paths with a lot of people that have come out of that nightmare factory. And apparently this isn't really a stretch for QT. He's kind of just a cunt. So that being said, I don't exactly get excited to see QT Marshall on my screen. Getting to see Paul White was cool though. His first match outside of the WWE in well over 20 years, whatever, Paul White wants to do with his career, I think he's earned it. I think he's earned literally anything. I think that he's been doing a pretty solid job on commentary. Him and Tony Schiavone have a really fun dynamic. I like listening to the two of them. I almost want to watch Elevation more be just because I, I enjoy listening to the two of them talk to each other. Uh, as far as the wrestling, you know, Paul was never known as, as a mat tactician in any way, shape, or form. But this was this was a fun match. It was definitely the come down match for everybody else off of what we just saw in the last few matches. Paul White hits that choke slam after I don't know how long this match was, maybe five minutes or so. Hits the choke slam for the win. All the the factory guys tried to tried to chime in throughout the match. Paul White wasn't having it, laid them all to waste. It was it was decent for what it was. Congratulations, Paul White, just simply on being able to get back in the ring again. Like I said, whatever that man wants to do with his career, I'm all for it. He's deserved literally anything. But as far as a match goes, eh, I'll give it a C. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that this match served its purpose, and I don't think that it was designed to be anything better than a C. But with that being said, we move on to the World Heavyweight Championship match between Kenny Omega and Christian Cage. Uh, it was a different match from the one that we saw them have on Rampage. I'm not going to go through all of the spots. Uh, I'm not going to do quite as detailed as I did on the last one, just, just because this episode is running pretty long already. But it was a very entertaining match. 
there was several points throughout it. Like, and like in my mind, I'm like, there's no way Christian gets the AEW title as well as the Impact title. But there's a few points throughout this match where I was like, I don't know, maybe he could. Obviously, the the big spot in this match was at the end whenever Christian goes for that top rope kill switch, but it gets reversed into a top rope one winged angel. It was beautifully executed. I think the one winged angel is a fantastic move. And obviously, Kenny Omega retains. I'm giving this match an A. It was an entertaining match. I do apologize for not going into to detail. I'm just looking down at the clock, and I'm seeing how long this episode's already going. And, and we've still got more to talk about. So let's go ahead and this match gets an A. Let's go ahead and move on to what happens after that. The Elite Storm the Ring. The Young Bucks. Carl Anderson. My boss, Doc Gallows. They storm the ring. Beat the shit out of Christian. I watched at one point Gallows is laying in some punches to Christian's head. Uh, I, for one, know just how snug the boss is in the ring, so I do not envy Christian in that position. Then you've got uh, Jurassic Express come out, try to make the save. And the next thing you know, some unfamiliar music hits. It's Adam Cole. Baby! I pop pretty big for this. I am a huge Adam Cole fan. He comes out to the ring. We're all wondering, I guess he's here to save the good guys. In my mind, I was like, he's not. Because the second I saw Adam Cole, the only thing I could think about in my head is, oh my God, does this mean that being the elite becomes watchable again? Because if that's the case, I'm all for this. I just knew when he was coming out, he was going to align with the elite. Go back and watch being the elite from like three or four years ago. Like some of the shit that they did at the Tokyo Dome Hotel and stuff like that. That is peak being the elite. Everything leading up to the storyline where they quote unquote killed Adam Cole at PWG. That was peak being the elite. Hopefully it goes back to that now. So I was really excited about that. Cole comes out, joins the elite. They do the the Young Bucks kiss on the cheek thing. And then just as it looks like all hope is lost, Brian Danielson makes his way to the ring. This has been talked about for a while. CM Punk teased this on Dynamite a couple of weeks ago, saying if you want Brian Danielson, you're just going to have to be a little patient. And here he comes. Brian Danielson is one that it's kind of the opposite of CM Punk for me. While I, I will 100% tell you that Punk has a phenomenal character and he is very unique in his presentation, but he's just not that fantastic of a wrestler. I really think he's overhyped in that department. I look at Brian Danielson the other way. His character, or lack thereof, does absolutely nothing for me. But I'll be the first one to tell you, that motherfucker can go in the ring. And he laid some of those stiff kicks into the corner during this. He he laid one of those big flying knee attacks, the Bomaye or whatever he's going to call it. I don't know. The, the ending of this was a lot to process. You get Kenny Omega retaining his title then you get the debuts of two of the biggest names in wrestling with adam cole baby and brian danielson all at the same time i talked a little bit earlier about this pick'em group that i'm in and a couple of the guys in the in the chat i'm not going to go through the list to find out exactly who said it you guys can tell me after you listen to the show one of the guys said that maybe the reason AEW kind of blew their shot or blew their load in this was because there's the potential of things getting shut down again and they don't want to lose the reaction. Kind of like how whenever they brought in Brody Lee, they brought in Matt Hardy, there was no crowd there to appreciate it. They kind of wanted to make sure that they hot shot at this. If that's the case, I understand it. It was a whole hell of a lot to process. This was a really, really big ending to the show. Tony Khan did say that there were going to be surprises he was not wrong. I think that this was a $50 well spent. Going back to that pick I talked about, 
In this group, we have title belts for everybody that wins pay-per-views to a corresponding brand. I was the former two-time double champ. I used to be the IWGP and WWE double champ. I was, up until last night, the IWGP and AEW double champ. And I lost my AEW belt by one match. It was because of fucking Ruby Soho. I lost my belt. Now Noel's got it. Noel, fuck you. Don't ever try to come at me with a promo ever again because you just can't do it like me. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, homie, I'm coming back for my belt. Full gear is just a couple of months away. That belt's coming back home with me. I don't know when the next time I'm going to defend my IWGP belt is, but guys, don't even worry about that. You're not taking it from me. You just can't predict matches like I can. There's a whole, there's a reason to this, guys. I'm unstoppable. Don't try fucking with me. But if any of you guys want that WWE belt, don't worry about it. I don't want that one back. You guys can have that one. But that's going to do it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this special Labor Day week edition of the Main Event Heat podcast. Follow me on social media at SweetSexyRob on Instagram and Twitter. If you would like to support the show, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging out. <clears throat> 